As you're seated, just uh, tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell him, be ready. Say, be ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, what you're going to need to do tonight is you're going to need to open up your flight manual or your flight plan here and take out uh, the yellow lesson. This is the study we're going to go through tonight. You want to have this handy so that you can take notes. Uh, as, I, as again, as I've said, this is going to be interactive. This is a teaching uh, session, and we're going to do the best we can to, do the, to, to get as much information in you as possible so that you can be able to understand not only what is being presented tonight, but so you can understand what's going to be presented uh, throughout the course of our time together. How many of you were blessed last night by our study? How many recognize that Jesus is soon to come? Come on, say amen. amen. We believe that with all of our hearts, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. We do believe that it's about time for us to start getting a little bit stronger in our relationship with God because the times that we are living in are testing us at the very core of who we are. And I think if you want to get stronger in God, you need to get stronger in what God said, and that's the word of God. Somebody just take your Bible and put it in your ear with me. Repeat after me. Say, thy word, thy word. is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. The word of God is my textbook. Let the church say amen. All right, let's get right to it. If you have, do you need a pen? Who needs a pen tonight? If you need a pen, put your hand in the air, and uh, we're going to try to facilitate. I'm not sure if we have any, any small golf pencils or something, but we want to put something in your hand so you can write some things down. As a matter of fact, uh, as you can see on this yellow handout, how many have your yellow handout? If you got it, say, I got it. You got this yellow handout? Uh, all right. As you can see, uh, open it up to page... Uh, the page behind the first page. We're doing front and back here. And so you can see if you, if you, got, if you have good eyes and, eat a, and you drink a lot of carrot juice, you should be able to see the, the numbers there, uh, one, two, and three. That's the number for the slide. And the slide will be on the screen in that order. As you can see, there, how many can see the little numbers behind and beside the slide? You can't make out what the number is, but you at least can see that there's something there, right? All right, well, I'll help you out and tell you what's there. At the top is number one. And as you can see, it's vertically going down in order. Then it starts back at the top again. You understand what I'm saying? It goes one, two, three, four, five, going vertically down. And then it goes right back up on the other side. Notice beside each slide, there are spaces for you to write. Now, most of you don't write that small. You do not have to, be, you don't have to feel confined to the size of the slots. All right? Uh, I happen to write that small, so y'all pray for the pastor. But you don't have to feel confined. That is there for the purpose of giving you the opportunity to write down notes and take down other things. What I've given you here is just the base of what I'm sharing. But as you know, as inspiration comes to me, there are other things that are said. So that uh, you can have everything you can possibly have in order to be fit and ready to go in this study. If you're ready to go, say, I'm ready to go. I said, if you're ready to go, say, I'm ready to go. All right, this is our second teaching on flight, uh, on flight school, and this is flight truth number two, entitled Be Ready. Entitled what, everybody? Be ready. Be ready. All right. Before I go any further, go to uh, our website, and eventually, pretty soon, we're going to have the teachings on the website. As a matter of fact, the audio versions of what we're doing every night will be on our website. Write this down right now. Let's get in the habit of writing right now. Go ahead and write that down. Even if you don't, you don't even know what a computer looks like, let's write it down anyway, just to get in the habit of being interactive. And that's Gville. That's not a mistake. That's the website. We didn't want you to have to write Glenville. So we put gvillesda.org. You go to our website, and uh, we'll be uploading information there that you can be able to have at your disposal so you continue to be uh, abreast as to what we're teaching each night. Would you say amen? Again, that's gvillesda.org. All right? All right, let's review. Let's review what we discussed last night. Too bad we couldn't have the review before the quiz. Uh, that's, that's intentional. The review is always after the quiz. Come on, say amen. <laughs> All right, let's review very quickly. Um, this is how most people, I, the only way I can do it, I said, let me put a picture up here. This is how most people respond to the idea that we're in the last days. They got their hands on their ears and they close their eyes. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. As a matter of fact, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be critical of other belief systems or other ministers, but I'm just going to speak the truth as it is. You don't hear a lot of people on television or in the popular venues talking about the last days and the coming of Jesus Christ. 
And if they are, they are so far away from the Bible that it makes almost more confusion than if they were, if, if they were, if they were just to make it up out of the four corners of their brain. It's utterly confusing. People are terrified by the discussion of it. And people don't really want to hear anything about it. But I believe that you're here tonight because you want to hear something about it. <laughs> you want to at least hear the truth about it. Now, I'm not boasting to say I know what the truth is. I'm Mr. Big Shot. But what I am saying is that the Bible is so simple. Hear me now. It doesn't take a deep theologian to understand what's in this book. The Bible is absolutely, positively clear on what's about to happen and how you can be ready. How you can be ready. So we don't want to take this approach that we are afraid, that we are terrified. If your relationship with God starts in fear, you're in trouble. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. God does not want us to serve him in fear. Would you say that? God does not want us to serve him in fear. He wants us, as a matter of fact, to be excited about what I would declare is the greatest event in earth's history. Let's review. The first thing we recognized was that the Bible predicts what, everybody? Okay, this, the whole idea of the second coming of Jesus, the last day events, is, is based on what the Bible said. If anybody talks about it, the first person that mentioned anything about there being a last days or there being a second coming of Jesus, it all started in the Bible, not Nostradamus, not your cousin Joe, not some preacher across the street, not the Seventh-day Adventist, not the Baptist. Where do we get the discussion about the second coming of Jesus? It is predicted in the Bible. So we're not making up anything in here. The second thing we recognized last night is that the book of, what book does that say, everybody? Come on, the book of what? The book of Revelation helps us to prepare uh, in a very, in a very uh, poetic, uh, poetic justice way. God puts the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible almost to teach us that the book of Revelation is given to us for the end of time. How many believe that we're living in the end of time? We proved that to you last night from the word of God. The book of Revelation helps us to prepare. It helps us to do what, everybody? In other words, God, the things that are about to happen are on such a magnitude that you just can't show up and be ready for the game. You got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. The book of Revelation helps us to do that. Revelation, by the way, let me just say this. That's why the book of Revelation cannot be a closed book. Why would God put all this information that's pertinent to where we're going in a book that cannot be understood by the average person. That means he's setting you up for failure. But I don't believe that we serve that kind of God. God is not setting us up for failure. He wants, he wants, I love this, he wants us to be as prepared as possible. So the book of Revelation can be understood. Look at your, your neighbor beside you and say, I can get this, I can get this. I may not, I don't do good in algebra in school, but I can get this. I didn't do good in pre-cal, but I can get this. I didn't understand civics very well, but I can get this. I wasn't good in biochemistry, but I can get this. The word of God can be understood. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to be a deep theologian. You don't have to be a preacher. If you love God, you can understand. Come on, say amen. Now, Revelation 14, out of the book of Revelation, specifically, what word did I just say, everybody? When I, when, I, when, I, when I was trying to figure out how to say specifically when I was younger, I used to say Pacific. And somebody used to tell me that's, a, that's actually an ocean. <laughs> so I didn't say specifically, I said specifically. Come on, say amen. Uh, the book of Revelation teaches us how to prepare, but Revelation 14 especially, specifically, teaches us how to live. How to what? Oh, come on, catch this now. How to what? How to live. That's pragmatic. Write that down. Write down pragmatic. Right by that slide. That's pragmatic. I'm not going to give you any easy words. We're in school. Come on, pragmatic. How do you spell pragmatic? P-R-A-G-M-A-T-I-C. It's pragmatic. And then beside pragmatic, I want you to put the equal sign. And then pragmatic is another word for practical. So if you don't feel like rocking, writing pragmatic, I just gave you an out. Write practical. And if you don't know how to spell that, I think that's P-R-A-C-T-I-C-A-L. Amen. All right, so hear me now. What I'm telling you is that the book of Revelation is practical. It tells you actually how to live. Let me illustrate this. There are three sections in the book of Revelation. 
there is the introduction. Everybody say introduction. And that is chapters 1, uh, and the main thesis there is verses seven, 7 through 8. There is an introduction to the book. Uh, if you understand the way the book of Revelation is structured, you'll be able to further understand how the book is to be understood. For example, uh, does anybody have like a, a working manual for anything, like a blender, a microwave, a computer? Usually it is ordered with a table of contents, right? If you didn't have a table of contents, you wouldn't be able to figure out how to find your way through the book. You wouldn't be able to understand how to get to what you're trying to figure out. One of the light bulbs went out in my van the other day, and it's one of these new vans, and so I was trying to figure out how to get to the light bulb. It's not like the old school where you could just unscrew something, put your hand in there, and get it. And so I went inside the manual, and there was a table of contents, and because I understood the structure, I was able to immediately go where I was looking for. God set up the book of Revelation in an easy-to-follow structure. If you understand the structure of Revelation, then you'll understand the point of Revelation. And so I want to break this down to you. First, there is the introduction, and then there's the sandwich, all right? You got your introduction, and then you have what else? Come on, talk to me. You got an introduction, and then you have what? Come on, y'all better help me out tonight in here before I start calling names. You have an introduction and a what? All right, that's what I'm calling the sandwich of Revelation. It starts out with an introduction and it ends with a conclusion. The, the last chapter of Revelation is Revelation 22. Now, what, do they, what, what does the introduction and the conclusion have in common? Tell me. Anybody who's read it? It's a tough question, huh? Thank you very much. If you study carefully, you'll find out that in the introduction in chapter 1 and in the conclusion in chapter 2, there was one main theme. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And as Elder Tate so, so clearly set out for us in our quiz, who is the he that we're talking about? Come on, who, who's the he we're talking about? And if you look carefully in your Bible, you will notice in chapters 1 and in chapters 22, there are sections written in red. Sections written in what, everybody? Red. Now, in, in most Bibles, if a section is written in red, what does that mean? That means Jesus is doing the talking. Revelation, next to the Gospels, is the only book in the Bible that quotes Jesus that much. Jesus is doing all the talking. Revelation is about Jesus, and more specifically, it's about Jesus doing what? Come on, doing what? Getting ready to come. Somebody say, getting ready to come. It's about him getting ready to come. This is so clear. So you see it in the beginning, I'm coming. You see it at the end, the last thing he says is, even so, come Lord Jesus. That's what it's all about. Now, uh, um, if you want to know what somebody is really thinking about, then listen, or what they really value, listen to what they say before they die. All the stuff that they talked about all their lives doesn't matter anymore. You start to find out the heart of what's about what a person is about. Their family will come up. Their, their, their belief in God, and I've seen it before, you've seen it before. People on their deathbed, their whole lives, they ain't thinking about God. But as they get down close to getting six feet under, they start talking about stuff that matters. They're not talking about people. They're not backbiting on people. They're not complaining anymore about what they should have done. They're starting now to zero in on what really matters. And Jesus did the same thing just before he died. The only thing that came out of his being was, y'all better get ready. I'm coming again. That's what matters. And so you see that there. Is that very clear? Is that clear to everybody? You see the sandwich? Now let's put some meat in the middle. Come on, say amen. Can we put some meat in the middle? Come on, say amen. Y'all Cleveland folk, y'all know something about a sandwich here. Come on, I ain't going to name it. I ain't going to name the sandwich. I'll talk about it on the health night. Come on, say amen. Uh, Cleveland's number five in the nation, but one of the most unhealthiest cities, the unhealthiest cities in the nation. I'll talk about that sandwich on, on the health night, but y'all already know what I'm talking about. Uh, all right, now, so point number one, Jesus makes, uh, is a good preacher. He has three points, the introduction and the conclusion. The first message that he speaks is the message to the seven churches. Now, in your notes, I want you to write, here's the message that he preached. When you get a chance to study, there's two messages, repent and be faithful. That's the only things he's saying. Repent or be faithful. That's the message to the church. Repent, be faithful. Repent, be faithful. All right? The second section of Revelation is the opening of the seven sealed scroll. 
immediately we go to a throne room after Revelation, the third chapter. We get into chapter 4, and the first line we hear is, and I saw in heaven an open door. And we immediately see God in his throne room. In this throne room, there is this, this scroll that is of such importance that causes all this commotion in heaven. But from Revelations uh, uh, 4 to about 11, the whole section of this book is concerned with just taking the seals off the scroll. Don't have time to get into that. All right, now look, look how this thing is being set up. God is saying, I got a message to the church. He says it's in a sealed scroll. And then in chapter 3, the scroll is revealed. The book of Revelation is about a scroll. And it's about finding out what's in that scroll. From Revelations 14, ah, no, let me start. From Revelations 12 through 22, we find out what's in that scroll. If everybody's following me so far, say, I'm following you, preacher. All right? So we got an introduction. We got the message of the seven churches. We got the opening of the seals to find out what's in this scroll. And then from Revelations 12 through the end of the book, we find out what's in there. Now, in that last section, the contents of the sealed scroll, we find out what God has been trying to tell us before the foundations of the earth. I'm coming soon. But specifically, how you need to, I love it. How you need to get ready to be ready so you don't have to get ready, that you can be ready. There's a difference between getting ready and being ready. You don't want to get ready when the robber comes to your house tonight. You want to be ready. Come on, say amen. If you're getting ready, you're already too late. But this section of the Bible tells us how we are to be ready. Come on, say amen. So Revelation 14, Lord have mercy. 6 through 12 teaches us how to be ready. There are three angels. How many angels? Three. That teach us how to be ready. Write that down. Three angels that tell us practical steps on how to be ready. How many angels are there? Three. And what do they teach us? How to be ready. How to get ready? How to be ready. How many angels? Three. What do they teach us? How to be ready. All right? That's why we're calling this flight school. If there are angels flying high and they have the truth on how to be ready, I figure we need to get up where they are so we can have what they have. They're teaching us on how to be ready, so they are ta actually taking us to flight school. Y'all feel me now? You feel, you, feel, you feel me while we're calling this flight school? You got me now? It ain't about an airplane. It's about flying angels. And these flying angels explain to us how to go to the next level in these last days. Come on, say amen. Oh, this is good stuff here. Now, let's, let's, let's break this thing down. We talked last night about the second coming and what's going and the fact that it's going to happen. That Jesus' word declares that he is coming. Now, the question is, what and why is there a second coming of Christ? Now, most of us just assume that it's just supposed to be that way. But, but I think this is a good question for us tonight. Not only, not only is it coming, but let's ask this question. For what and why? There's some folk who would rather him not come. Let's just enjoy ourselves down here. Let's see what the word of God has to say. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Together, the Bible says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to what? Nor his ear too dull to do what? Come on, say amen. But your what? Or your Bible may say, but your sins, your iniquities have done what? Have separated you from God. Let me just point out, you know why there has to be a second coming? You know why Jesus has to come back? Because we are separated from him. And the re this is very practical. The reason why he's coming back is so that there can no longer be any separation. 
Because sin is in the world, we cannot really be with God the way God intended. When God created Adam and Eve, God created, oh, y'all better hear me tonight, hear this tonight. This is why I love the presence of God. God. God is so desperate to get us back to where we were that he's allowing all this stuff to happen, but he's not going to let it go on for too long because he wants to be with you. Oh, that's good news tonight for somebody who doesn't even like being around themselves. Uh, that's good news for somebody tonight who folk don't even like being around you. That's good news for somebody tonight who, who, who got such a bad attitude that, that it'd be a bonus for anybody to want to be around you. Come on, say amen. The fact of the matter is you serve a God that wants to be with your sorry self. He wants to. I'm honest enough to admit tonight I am not God's gift to my wife or creation. The fact that my wife wants to be with me and I want to be with her is an awesome thing of God. It's an expression of God's love. But God, God, God that knows everything about you, that knows every single thing you've done before you did it. Before you were even born, he knew you. Before he died for your sins, he knew that you would stab him in the back. Before he, you had even had the right mind to pray, He's already making plans to be with you. That's why you ought not be like, well, I mean, this is why folk, when you start talking about the second coming of Jesus, people ought to be like, whoa, whoa. Folk ought to be, 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 be raining high fives in the house of the Lord saying, yes, he's coming soon. He wants to be with me. As close, the closest you can get to God right now is through prayer and Bible study. God says, I want to get to a point where there's no more need for a Bible and there's no more need for prayer. You can stand right in my presence face to face. No more separation of sin. Let's talk about it. Come, let's reason together. Are y'all hearing me now? This is why we got to study this thing. If you are really a worshiper, if you really love the presence of God, then, you will, then, then the best thing that can ever happen in your life is for God to come back. And you ought not be afraid of that. You ought to be like, whoa, I've been waiting on this. Come on, Jesus. Every time you see something bad happen in the earth, you ought to do a dance in your house and say, here he comes. <laughs> He's on his way. You ought not get afraid. You ought to get excited. John 14, 1 through 3 says, read that. Am I... I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What and why? He wants to be with you. He said, I'll prepare <laughs> mansions for you. Now, this is going to mess some of y'all up here tonight. See, I just, I, I just have to tell you the truth. See, most of us picture the mansions that the Bible mentions in there. I'm just going to tell you what the Greek word said. The Greek word there for mansions actually means many rooms. Oh, come on now. So you thought you was going to have your big 100,000 square foot mansion. <laughs> you know, with, 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 with 25,000 garages for your chariots. <laughs> all these closets for your, for your robes. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Gold all everywhere. Blinged out all over the place. But I'm just telling you, the, the actual word means many rooms. So it, it's going to be more like the projects up in heaven. They just... <laughs> That's just going to look better. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> We're going to be able to, be able to go, go out of our room to somebody else's room. Come on, say amen. And you know what, truthfully, that, makes, that bothers some of us now. We're mad about that. We were looking for our nice big, big golden yacht in the back of the river of life. But the truth is, if we really want to be that, go to heaven, then that means we'll not only want to be with Jesus, but with each other. I read one writer said that if, some, if God were to allow some of us to go to heaven in the condition we are right now, he said, we get up there and be like, let me out of here. There's too much love up in here. People too close up in here. You ain't going to be able to go to heaven and be all separate and all individualistic. Get that out of your mind. The Bible says many rooms. That wasn't in my notes, but I just decided to throw that in there and mess you up a little bit. <laughs> Revelation 21 tells us, now look at this. It's all about God being with us. This is why there's a second coming. He wants to be with you. The Bible says, then I what? Come on, saw, read. Uh-huh. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God 
is with men, and he will what? What does dwell mean? Means live. That's where he's trying to get. He wants to get to a place where he can live with us. Right now, he can live in our hearts. But when he comes again, he'll be in our hearts and in our face. <laughs> Come on, say amen. Bible says he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be what? And God will wipe away every tear from what? Come on, somebody. And there shall be no more, nor, nor what? There shall be no more what? For the former things have what? Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, he said, Right, for these words are true and faithful. I'm glad they're true and faithful. Now my question is, is how come people are not teaching this? How come they're not teaching this in the churches? And how, 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 come, how come the popular denominations are not teaching this? Why are they just teaching people that if you just, if you just pay up, that your blessing will come? Why are we just teaching people that it's, it's about getting a job and it's just about living well down here on planet Earth? Why are we just trying to get the promotion? What we ought to be trying to do is get the translation. We ought to be trying to move. This, listen, I'm, this is what I'm saying. I told you last night about the urgent and the important. It's important to live well. It's important to have a good job. It's important to be financially secure. It's important to have a good marriage. All those things are fine, but the most urgent thing is before us. He's coming again. How come they ain't talking about that? Somebody tell me. If we love him, we'll want to be with him. This is the most important event that the world will ever see. How come we're not talking about it? How will it be? How will the coming of the Lord be? There's a movie and a book that was written called Left Behind. Got a whole lot of pub. Sold over 12 million copies by Christians who suggest that the coming of the Lord will be like this. One day you'll be driving in your car. You'll just be coming from church. And then out of nowhere, your car will be unmanned. For you will have been secretly taken away. The word that is used to describe this is the word secret rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but don't get nervous. The word rapture simply means to be taken. I believe that we will be taken. My concern is how does the Bible teach that we will be taken? Will there be some secret snatching of individuals? Will there be some secret rapture where the special ones will go first and the rest of us will have another chance? I don't know if the Bible teaches that. There are three principles about the secret rapture doctrine that I want to mention. Now, I'm going to say this. There's a reason why I'm bringing this up, because this is what the majority of Christianity believes. But my problem with this is I'm not just trying to get on board with what Christianity says. I'm not just trying to, 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 to get along. I want to do what the word of God says. I don't want to be deceived in the last days. And the Bible doesn't teach that there will be anything secret about the coming of Jesus. Why would it be a secret? What's he afraid of? Come on, say amen. Adulterers need to tiptoe around and be secret. Liars need to be secret. Come on, say amen. I can't get nobody to pray with me in here. Let me just preach to the <laughs> Sinners do stuff in secret. The devil operates in secret. But God is a God of light. God is a God who's out in the open. He ain't going to do nothing secret now, but I got to prove it to you from the word of God. Number one, one of the dangers of this teaching is this, that Jesus will come twice at the end of time. So if, if we are secretly raptured, that's one time. And then they say after that, there will be seven years of tribulation. Have you ever heard this before? And after these seven years of tribulation, that means we will have gotten another chance to be ready for when he comes again. The other false part about this is that it'll be a secret. The, the, the last and the worst part of this doctrine is it teaches that people will have a second chance after Jesus comes back. And I want to be clear on this. The Bible does not teach that you'll have a second chance. Once Jesus comes, the chances are over. Once Jesus comes, you have sealed your decision. Matter of fact, before Jesus comes, you have already made up your mind. There will be no second chances, but the devil wants to teach you. See, if he can teach you that there are second chances, then he can teach you that, hey, once you see 
the rapture, then you can get yourself right with the Lord. Once your grandmother disappears and your husband disappears out of his car and your child disappears, that gives you a chance to get right again. But guess what? It's not going to happen that way. The devil wants you to delay your readiness. But that's why I'm telling you tonight, be ready. No second chances. Let's look at what the word of God says about the coming of the Lord. First thing is, the Bible teaches us that the coming of the Lord will be what kind of event, everybody? A visible event. Matthew 24 and 27, read. For the, as the lightning comes from the and flashes to the what? So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Lightning can happen on the other side of Medina and you'll be able to see it. The point he's making is that the coming of the Lord will be visible to our eyes. Come on, say amen. Uh, Revelation 1-7 makes it even clearer. Read that. What does the Bible say? Now, the truth is, I could, I could close the book just on that chapter alone. Because the Bible says what? It says, come on, somebody. <laughs> come on, somebody. Now, how do people come up with this stuff then? How do they come up with that? Where is this coming? The Bible says everybody going to see him. Am I reading the same thing you're reading? Let's continue to read. Acts 1-9, together, the Bible says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The Bible goes on to say, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. The point of this is that Jesus is not coming down to planet earth. There's nothing in the Bible that says he is going to come and get his feet down on planet earth. This teaching of the secret rapture says that Jesus is going to show up in Israel. He's going to show up in Jerusalem. He's going to be walking around, healing people during this time. He ain't coming down here. This place too corrupt. He is not coming down here and getting his feet and his body on our planet until he has consumed it with fire. The Bible teaches that he will be caught up in the air. There's a difference. Come on in here, somebody. He's not coming down and touching the ground, but the Bible says he's going to come the same way he left. He is going to ascend in the heavens, and we are going to be caught up in the air with the Lord. So when you hear them say, he's over here, don't believe them. When you hear them say, he's, in, he's, in, he's, he's back in, in, in Jerusalem. Listen, I'm going to tell you all right now. Show me one prophecy in the Bible that makes uh, Israel such a big deal in the last day. Listen, you can watch the news till you're blue in the face, and they can talk about Israel all day. I don't care how much of an interest it is to the United States. There's nothing special about Israel anymore at all. Nothing. Not in the Bible. It's not about Israel. It's not about, and listen, the Jews, you know, I live in Cleveland Heights, so you already know. Come on. And they're there. God bless them. I love my folk. Uh, they're celebrating the feast days right now. They're celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles and all this kind of stuff. The bottom line is they're on evil footing. They're on equal footing with the rest of us. We're all waiting for him to come. And he's not going to come favor one or the other. We're spiritual Israel. Come on, say amen, somebody. Luke 21, 27 says, then, come on, they will see the Son of Man coming in a with power and what? They will do what? They're going to do what? So if they see it, they can't be secret. <laughs> Next, Jesus will not come back by himself. Somebody say he's rolling deep. <laughs> he's rolling deep, y'all. <laughs> see, this time he, come, listen, he ain't coming as no baby this time. He's coming back as king of kings and lord of lords. Let me just show you what the word of God says. The Bible says together, when the son of man comes in his and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Who's coming with him? The angels are coming back with him. The Bible says there's going to be thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 of angels. Listen, man, if anybody, knows how to, <laughs> if anybody knows how to show up, you know what I'm saying, it's Jesus, man. You know, when he shows up this time, you know, he ain't coming humble. <laughs> He's coming to let y'all know I am him. 
is me. <laughs> Come on now. You better recognize. Come on, say amen. amen. The Bible says, verse 31, and he will send his angels with a great sound of what? That doesn't sound like a secret. He's coming to make some noise up in here, up in here, up in here. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Bless his name. Bible says, and they will gather together his what? From the what? Four winds means the whole earth. From one end of heaven to the what? To the other. He's coming back. Brightness and angels and noise. And he, hey, listen, he is not coming as a secret. The only person I know that works in secret is the devil. What, he got, what, did, what Jesus got to, got to do this a secret for? Well, let's just think about it for a minute. I mean, forget the Bible for a minute, just for a minute. I mean, let's just use logic. Why would he need to come as a secret? What he got to hide for? Come on, say amen. What he got, what do he need to sneak around for? It is, it is God. He owns this place. He ain't never hid himself. This time he's coming so you can see him. It will be an audible event. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord, come on y'all, himself will descend from heaven with a what? And see, that's why I don't mind when folks shout in church. <laughs> because he's coming back with a shout. Come on, say amen, somebody. Yeah, I'm just going with the word. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Jesus said, I'm coming, I'm coming with noise. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with what? And with the voice of what? Of the archangel and with the trumpet of what? And the dead, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Come on in here, somebody. Oh, the dead in Christ. Now, now that's some kind of shout. Now, I'm a holler right now. Come on, get up. Any dead folk, get up. Somebody go check the graveyard. Ain't nothing going to happen. I can yell as loud as I want. I dare you tonight. Go out to the graveyard on your way home. Just start yelling at, at, at tombstones and see what happens. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing happening. But that's why the Lord says that his sheep know his voice. There's something about his shout. See, when his shout, oh, y'all getting me to preach it now. Let me move on. <laughs> I'm losing my way. <laughs> I said, this is a Bible study tonight. We're not preaching. But all this is good stuff. The Lord is going to come back with a shout. <laughs> come on, somebody. And, and, just, and he doesn't have to shout to quicken us, but just the shout of his voice is going to waken up dead bodies. People whose ashes have been dispersed in the sea. They put it in the urn and they dispersed them everywhere. The Bible says when he shouts, they'll somehow come together and, and, their, and, and their nervous systems will connect and their, their hearing and audible system will connect. Their eyes will open just at the mention of his voice. There's power in his word. <laughs> oh, the mercy. I'm trying not to preach this thing, y'all, but y'all pushing me tonight. Woo! He's coming back with angels, and, 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 you know, I don't know. I'm just fooling with this thing. It ain't in the Bible, but, but you're talking about angels that can sing. They're so good that God allows them in his presence. Now, he says, you can make a joyful noise unto the Lord, but he hadn't moved you up to be a cherubim in the heavenly courts. You drive folk crazy up there singing all flat and off pitch and stuff. But these are folk right here that sing so beautifully. Lord have mercy. Can you imagine millions and millions of angels coming back with Jesus himself and they're singing and glorifying God? Who is this king of glory? The Lord's talking about. Who is it? The Lord. Come on in here, y'all. I mean, listen, listen, listen. Why would I want to miss out on that? <laughs> and then folks just going to start popping out of graves. Lord have mercy. Wives that have died. Children that didn't make it. Lord, and when he comes, it's going to be a great day. Angels are going to go to folks' beds, uh, go, go to folks' grave sites. And, and even in the unjust, you know, we got a corrupt city here in Cleveland. Y'all been reading the news? Jimmy DeMora and his crew. And what's the other fellow's name that got 21 years? Russo. Lord have mercy. You know, it, it hit me. That's why, that's why Cleveland's economy is so bad. There's corruption here. It's corruption. It just ain't just because steel left. Some stuff probably tried to get in, but it's so corrupt in here. And then I understand there's ties with mafia and all this stuff. They're probably dead folk, probably don't, family members don't even know how they died, don't know where they went. But guess what? When Jesus Christ comes back, they'll, 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 they'll come out of backyards. Come on in here, somebody. The, the things that have been done in secret will come to life. Slaves that were dumped out in the middle of the ocean. Rise up and come on, y'all. Lord, have mercy. Oh, what a day it'll be. Come on, say amen. And then the Bible says the righteous living are caught up. They're what? 
they're caught up. Which, which is to say, we will elevate off the planet. See, Jesus is going to meet us halfway. Come on, say amen. Well, he's not even meeting us halfway. He's just going to meet us a little bit of the way because halfway would be somewhere out in Orion somewhere. Look what the word of God says. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, I got to move. It says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the what? To meet the Lord where? Is that clear, brothers and sisters? Now, I've always thought about how that's going to be. Can you imagine that? You know, you see all this stuff, you hear the singing and all that kind of stuff, and then just out of nowhere, you know, rheumatoid arthritis just dissipates. Come on, say amen. Folks throwing their glasses off. Now, they don't need them anymore cancer just healing up in their bodies, huh? And the next thing you know, you just start rising. Come on. <laughs> Come on, somebody. And the Bible says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. All of the saved will be changed. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, behold, I show you what? We shall all be what? Oh, somebody need to hear that in here tonight. For the Bible says, in a what? In the what? <laughs> At the last trump, for the trumpet shall, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. That is, without corruption. Nothing wrong with you. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, if somebody had dementia or Alzheimer's, when, they, when they're raised, will they then be able to remember? Yeah, because they'll be without corruption. You're going to be able to remember folk you never met. <laughs> Your brain's going to work better than it ever did before. Come on, say amen, somebody. We shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on what? And this mortal must put on what? The Bible teaches us that when he comes, we will be changed. Some of y'all are always self-loathing, talking about how ugly you are and how overweight you are. And you look in the mirror and you get sad. Uh, by the way, I just throw this out here. It's, it says that the average man looks in the mirror and is excited at what he sees. <laughs> Brothers don't have a hard time with low self-esteem, by and large. But some of us sisters, we, we, turn, we tear ourselves down and, you know, man mistreated us and told us how messed up we were. And, and we start believing how bad. But guess what? Yes, when Jesus Christ comes back, you're you going to be a dime piece. That's what we say. You, 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 you know what that means. You, you're going to be fine. You're going to be finer than you ever thought you could be. And guess what? Because you're going to be that, God considers you that right now. Because God sees those things that are not as though they already are. So you already might as well claim that you're going to be what God says you're going to be. You're that right now. Bible says, but now we are the sons and daughters of God. And it doth not yet appear, but we shall be. First John 3, it says, but when he appears, we shall be like him. Come on, say amen. No more cataracts. Come on, say amen. No more club foot. Come on, say amen. No more halitosis. Come on, say amen. Huh? No more colds. Come on, say amen. No more H1N1. Come on, say amen. No more diabetes. Come on, say amen. As black folks say, sugar diabetes. No more, none of that stuff. We will be changed. Philippians 3 and 21. Uh, let, me, let me move past here. I got, I got the roll. The Bible says there'll be a great earthquake. And mine as well. You know, got all this noise. We ain't going to be down here anyway. He's going to lift us up. I don't care what happens down here. I'm going to be caught up. Come on, say amen. The Bible says in Revelation 6, 14, the heaven departed as a what? And when it is rolled together, the Bible says, and every mountain and island were moved out of its places. Lord, can you imagine that? Stuff is shifting and moving and mountains are moving out of its place. Lord, have mercy. The Bible says, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the mighty men. The Bible says, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains. And the Bible says, and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Can I answer that question? The folk that are going to be able to stand are the folk who are looking for his return. See, see, if you're in Jesus, you ain't looking for no rock to hide you. Matter of fact, you're trying to come out of the closet. Come on, say amen. You're trying to come out of hiding. You're trying to come out. You're saying, where is it? Come out. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> uh, Revelation 16, 18 says, and there were what? And what? And what else? And there was a what? And there was a great earthquake and, 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 and such a mighty and great earthquake has not occurred since men were on earth. Oh, have mercy. Now, how do we get ready as we close this thing? How do we get ready? See, because most of us, we just want to stop there. Well, that's the facts. The facts is it won't be a secret. Amen. Let's close the door. 
Well, this is how I'm going to pull all y'all in here, because some of y'all think y'all knew that already, and you're excited about that. We established truth. But the fact of the matter is, just because you know that don't mean you're going to be ready. Now, how do we get ready? No, how do we become ready? And the Bible tells us that Jesus gives us instruction in Matthew 24. The first point Jesus teaches us is that, by the way, write this down. Matthew, the 24, Matthew chapter 24 <clears throat> is Jesus' sermon on the last days. It's his sermon. Matthew 24 is Jesus' sermon. Now, the sermon goes from 24 to 25. Where does it go from, everybody? Go and study this. Matthew 24 to 25 is Jesus' whole sermon on the last days. Now, Jesus is the best preacher I've ever met. You know, they tell you in preaching class that you should start with an introduction. You should have three supporting points, and you ought to have a conclusion. Now, Jesus starts out with an introduction in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and then in chapter 25, he gives three teaching points on what we ought to be focused on right now to be ready. Here they go. Oops, let me go back. Here they go. Point number one. Being ready means having the Holy Spirit working in your life. The first thing Jesus wants you to see in terms of getting ready for his soon return is you need to allow the Holy Spirit to go to work in your life. That's the first thing you need to be focused on, the work of the Holy Spirit. Can I show you from the Word of God? Matthew 24, notice now. But of that day, together, an hour, no one what? Not even the angels of what? But my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will, be, will, will the coming of the Son of Man be. Together, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know, Lord have mercy, until the flood came. See, I don't want, to, I don't want that to be my testimony. And took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man, what? All right. In other words, Jesus is saying people are not going to be ready. They're going to be caught off guard. And they're going to be so caught up in their lives that they're not even focused on the coming of the Lord. By the way, these are prayer warriors that are going in there to pray. If you need prayer, then you can go in there and get some prayer uh, right now, before or after. We believe in that much. Go on. Continue reading. Right here at the screen. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is what. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. I told you that last night. If I told you tonight, my brother, that a man was coming to, to rape your, your, your daughters and to steal everything in your house and to murder your entire family, would you sit down and watch television? You wouldn't get ready. Come on, say amen. Come on in here, somebody. You be ready. Come on in here. You be ready. Come on, say amen. And some of y'all crazy enough in here because y'all street, y'all wouldn't even turn the alarm on. You have the door open. Come on, I dare you. Come on in here. You better ask somebody. Come on, so help them, Lord. I just went in the flesh there for a minute. We ought to pray for them, amen. He would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also must be what? Do what? Be ready. Get ready? No. Be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not what? For then is a faithful, who then is a faithful and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is the servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, together, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all good things. Verse 48, but if that evil servant says in his heart, Lord have mercy, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. God, God have mercy on your soul if Jesus comes back and you at the club. God have mercy on your soul if Jesus comes back and you in somebody else's house. You got no business. God have mercy on your soul if you come on in here, somebody. That's why, and some of you are saying, well, I'm going to get ready when that time comes, but you don't know when it's coming. Here's this three-point sermon. First thing, 
he tells us the ten virgins. Then there's a parable of the loan money. Three parables on how to get ready. And then the sheep and the goats. I'm just going to isolate these points and we're going to go. Our first thing I told you that he wants you to know is you need to be focused, focused on the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. point I'm making is stop looking to change everybody else. Let the Holy Spirit go to work in your life. The Bible says, read, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to what? Ten virgins who took their what? And went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. They took no oil. They had not the Holy Spirit. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all did what? And slept. The point is that all of us at some point before Jesus comes will go to sleep spiritually. But bless your heart, somebody going to wake up. Come on, say amen. And at midnight, a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish one said to the wise, can you give us a hookup? <laughs> give, us, give us some of your what? For our lamps are what? But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for I can't share the Holy Ghost with you. You got to get it for yourself. But go, and this, like I tell people all the time, the only thing you can give your children is your nasty, wretched character. Spirituality is not transferable. You got to get that by decision. Unfortunately, you can pass down all the bad stuff about you, but the good news is if they just choose Jesus Christ, they can have that all to themselves. Come on, say amen. Some of y'all trying to make people be holy. You can't make folk be holy. Some of you think if you change what they look like on the outside, they'll do the right thing. Just adhere. Just look like us or just do what we do. You cannot manufacture the work of the Holy Spirit. You gotta let him do his job. Let him take his time. Oh, they may be smoking cigarettes now, but they were smoking crack last week. Give them a chance. They may be cussing right now, but don't bless your heart. They were, they, 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 everything was blankety blank before. Now they just, well, now they just down to a couple of curse words a day. Y'all better thank God they are where they are. The work of the Holy Spirit is a patient work. Come on, say amen. And you are not foolish. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was after, afterward. The other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. See, when you, when, you, when, you, when you do not allow the work of the Holy Spirit, and his first work, I've been telling you, is to reveal truth. When the Spirit of God comes to reveal truth, first about you, then about his word. When the Spirit of God reveals truth to you and you do not act on what God reveals, what's going to happen is you're going to get to a place where you no longer know who Jesus is. And the only ticket to being saved when he comes is not knowing doctrine, not knowing who your pastor is, not knowing who the great preachers are, not knowing that your name is on the roll. The Bottom line is you got to know him. It's your lying self. What's your gossiping self? Come on in here now. What's your, come on in, your manipulating self, your mean self, walking around here carrying a Bible in between your shoulders, trying to look all, all pious and spiritual. But God looks, a man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. At the end of the day, what matters is, do you know him? And the work of the Holy Spirit gets you to know Jesus. He guides you to truth. And the Bible says that Jesus of himself declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Get to know Jesus. Being ready means what, everybody? Having the Holy Spirit work in your life. Preach Jesus. That's his first point. Next, Galatians 6 tells us, I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fill the, fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Joyce, see, y'all can't handle no more of that. Y'all just stick with love. I ain't going to give y'all no more. Y'all trying to work on the other. Just start with love. <laughs> start with that one right there. Everything else will fall into place. The second truth Jesus teaches us is that, read that together, being ready means being a good steward of God's blessings, time, talent, treasure, and truth. Okay. Take out your notes. Write this down. Yeah, yeah. Not only does God want to reveal to you who Jesus is, 
by the work of the Holy Spirit so that you have a meaningful relationship with him. The second thing he does is, see, when God comes into your life, he blesses you. And, and he'll bless you with time. That's the greatest blessing of all. Every blessing that you can, that you can, that you can operate has to happen within time. If you're dead, you don't got no, you don't got no, no blessings. Come on, say amen. So, so there's time. Then there is talents, the, the gifts that God has given you. And then there's treasure. That should be treasure. That says treer. Treasure. God gives you stuff. He wants you to use your stuff for him. And he gives you truth. What do you do with the info you have? Notice what he says in the second parable. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, he said, well, he gave what? To another, how many? And to another one, to each according to his own what? Mm, I wish I had time. And immediately he went on a what? He went on a journey. So he, now speeding along, this is what happened. He who had five talents came and brought. After he came back, he's coming back, representing the coming of Jesus. He comes back now. He said, now, what have you done with the blessings I gave you? When Jesus Christ comes back, not only is he going to ask you, do you know him? He's going he's to be able to tell if you know him based upon what you've done with the blessings that he has given you. Now, I think we got everybody on board now. <laughs> this, is for, this is for all my folk who, oh, I know the doctrine. Well, what I want to ask you is, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life, number one? Number two, are you taking the investment that God put in you, and are you using every single one of them to the fullest capacity? He's coming back. Reckoning day is coming. And he wants to know, what have you done with what I gave you? So the Bible says, <laughs> the, uh, the talent is saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. I, 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 look, I, I have gained five more. Talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. Now, for some of us, he, he's going to say well done. Mm -hmm. For some of you, he's going to say medium rare. So, <laughs> you need, it depends on which well done you're going to hear. Everybody ain't going to hear this well done in the affirmative way. Some folks are going to hear the well done that you're going to get burned up. Come on, say amen. Holy Ghost barbecue style. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over what? And I will make you ruler over what? Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more. Uh, be talents beside them. His Lord said to them, what? Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew, to, I knew you to be a hard man. You a lie. First, that's problem number one. It's how he sees God. I knew you to be. God ain't hard. He's not a hard man. Listen to, what he, listen to what he accuses God. He says, reaping where you have not sown. Does God take from us without sowing in us? Look at him. It's on how he sees God. And then he says, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was what? I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I, I reap where I have not sown, according to what you say, and gather where I have not scattered seed. Do you see this? So it's not only important to know information, it's important to take the information and the blessings and the money and the gifts and the time you, everything we have ought to be used for one thing. That's to glorify God. Everything. And some of y'all know right now you ain't using half of what you could be using for the kingdom of God. Some of you are mad at the church and you were holding back your gifts. Some of you can sing, you can preach, you can teach, you can do all kind of stuff, but you're mad because something that happened 10 years ago and you're not using what you're supposed to be using for the kingdom of God or you don't like how things are going. Guess what? Your responsibility is not to the church. Your responsibility is to God. And if God comes back and you have not taken your, the blessings that he gave you and multiplied them times what you have, he's going to say, you wicked and lazy servant. All you're doing is showing up, paying up, and shutting up. And when I come back, you're going to burn up. Being ready means being a good steward. That means taking what God, 
Come on, is anybody in here blessed like the preacher? How many know you're blessed? Come on in here, somebody. How many are thankful that God has blessed you? He has kept you. He's given some of you. Let's just stay with time. Some of you should have been dead. Some of you should have swerved off the road. The car, the car accident should have killed you. The cancer report should have wiped you out. Your, your, your wicked lifestyle should have drove you crazy. The trials of life should have caused you to take your own life. The only reason why you're here today is because of the gift of God's life that he gave you. The least that you can do is give everything to him. Your money too. I ain't giving my money to them churches. Them preachers are so corrupt. God didn't ask you to give your money to a church. He said give your money to him. And it just happens to come through a church. And in your business, what happens with the money? Because it's not yours in the first place. You don't give to be in control. You give because you recognize he's been good. Some of y'all don't like to hear that because you think it's your money. Well, who gave you the job? Who gave you the breath? Who, who kept you on the job when you got suspended three or four times? You got written up by your supervisor and you should have lost your job. And who was it that got you through the interview when you know you weren't qualified? Who was it that got kept you at working when everybody else lost their job? Don't you come in here telling me that it's your job, it's your money, it's your breath, it's your gig. God, it's God's. It's not your house. It's not your car. It's God's. It's not just 10%. It's 100. It's God. He wants to know, what have you done with what I gave you? Your selfish self. How dare you ball up your fist and hold back what God has done in your life? If God has been good to you, you ought to take everything you have and give it to him. What shall I render unto the Lord for all that he has done? I'm ready for the coming of the Lord. How you know? Because I know the truth. You don't know nothing. You won't even take the truth. God has given. When's the last time you brought somebody to Jesus? Lord, help me in here. Where, where did I go? Where am I? Where am I? Lord. <laughs> Romans 12. Listen to what the Bible says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Notice God is saying, the reason I'm asking you to give me back your life is because I've been merciful. God says, listen, if you're not going to do anything based on the goodness of God, don't do it. Keep your stuff, keep your talent, keep your time, keep your nasty attitude. He said, the only reason I've ever asked you to do anything is because I've been good. The only reason I've ever asked you to do anything is because I've been merciful. The only reason I've ever asked you to do anything is because when you had no business coming inside this church because of your sins and your unrighteousness, I called you in. I called you unto myself. I dusted you off. I cleaned you up. I shed my blood for your sins. I got a, re- I got a right to ask you for what I gave you because I gave you my life. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, come on somebody, and what? Which is what? Which is the least you can do. Last one. Being ready means being serving and and being a blessing to others. People that don't have, listen, if you don't like people, you are going to hell. If you have a problem with relationships, it's time to start getting ready. Because the very nature of a Christian is somebody that knows how to love people supremely because they recognize that they have been loved supremely. And it always translates into good works for other people. This is our last text. The Bible says when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is the third point Jesus makes, and all the only angels with him, when he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him, judgment. And he will separate them one from another. Lord have mercy. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and he will set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me, I was a stranger, and you, I was naked, 
and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you have done, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Being ready means serving other people. Being ready means giving to other people. Because when you minister to other people, you're ministering to Jesus. I want to close with this. C.S. Lewis, and some of you have heard this before. C.S. Lewis, Christian author, relayed this analogy. He said, Satan told his angels to come up with a strategy for getting souls to reject God and his plan of salvation. The first demon said, let's tell people there is no God. Satan said, mm, no one will believe this. People know that there is a God. Another demon said, I got it. Let's tell people there is no judgment and no hell. Satan responded and said, mm, they won't believe that either. The third demon said, let's just tell them there's no hurry. Satan smiled and said, go, and you will ruin millions. What are you putting off? What are you putting off right now? What are you holding back from God? I want you to take out this card right now. Because as I spoke this word tonight, there's some of you who know I've been speaking exactly to you. You had no plans to come tonight, but the Lord <laughs> gave you a clear word. It's more than just information. It's more than just knowing how he's coming and what it'll look like. He wants to know, what are you doing with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? What are you doing with the things that I've given you? And what are you doing for other people? I want you to make a decision tonight by the grace of God. This is not just information. This is your soul salvation. And you may say, look at the check boxes down there. I can't wait till Jesus returns. You feel like you're in late.